Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's Wednesday, August 11th, from The Recount and iHeartRadio, this is the News Items Podcast, bringing you analysis and interviews based loosely on my newsletter, News Items. I'm John Ellis. Today, we have part one of my conversation with Donald G. McNeil, Jr., Donald began covering global health for the New York Times in 2002 and his reporting on the pandemic for the Times throughout 2020 was, in a word, extraordinary. He won the 2020 John Chancellor Award for Excellence in Journalism for his outstanding career achievement, and the Pulitzer Prize Board cited his work specifically when it awarded the 2021 Pulitzer Prize in Public Service to the Times. Today's discussion focuses on the Delta variant and the risk it poses to children and everyone else as they return to school across the country. Part two will focus on the origins of the coronavirus itself, so be sure to tune in for that tomorrow. Without further ado, Donald McNeil. Donald, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. There's been a lot of questions about where we are on the virus, you know, what happens next. These come from news item subscribers mostly. I'm not really competent myself to answer the question, but happily you're here and have been covering the story from the very beginning. You wrote a piece saying, I think your most recent piece on your Medium site, saying, what is Biden waiting for? I guess take us through the early days or months of the Biden administration and how they moved the agencies, I guess, to the next phase of the virus? You know, they put good science people in charge of the agencies, and they have taken a largely hands-off attitude toward letting those people deliver the message, which in general, I think is a good thing. But they still do not have a head of the FDA in the middle of a pandemic, which I think is very worrisome. It's astonishing. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the people who are running it are trustworthy stewards. But of course, you want leadership at an agency in order to have somebody, you know, be, be able to bring it forward. And, you know, I don't know who makes the decisions inside the White House, but I worry that there are too many political considerations. The premise of my article was, why has it taken the Delta variant to convince the Biden administration to finally do the things that it should have done in January? 
Right. And my feeling has been that it's been very obvious from the beginning that the answer to this pandemic in the United States is vaccine. Right. You know, we can get the herd immunity the hard way, which is letting the virus blow through and letting it fill up the emergency rooms and letting it fill up the graveyards. But we have several amazing vaccines, particularly the two mRNA ones. The others are not bad either. The others are nothing to sneeze at, but they're not as good. So every been acting as if this is Prada and Hermes and I only want that. I don't want Johnson & Johnson or one of the others because of their very low risks of side effects. And so I basically feel that there ought to be vaccine mandates. And I also feel strongly that there ought to be vaccine passports because you need a way to tell who's been vaccinated and who's not because the honor system, amazingly enough, surprise, surprise, doesn't work very well in this country. Right. And, you know, since when have we been on the honor system? You can't walk into the DMV and say, oh, yeah, I know how to drive. Can I have my driver's license, please? No, they test you. Right. You don't get to walk up to the border and say, hello, I'm an American citizen. I can come in. Yes. No, they ask to see your passport. Right. We have withholding taxes because we don't trust people to pay every penny they're supposed to pay on April 15th each year. Here we have a pandemic that's killed 600,000 Americans, which is 200,000 more than died in World War II. And we're on the honor system as to whether or not people have been vaccinated or not. And it would have been easy to make a vaccine passport. New York State did it. But the Biden administration absolutely repudiated that back in April for reasons they never explained. And I fear that what they're thinking of is, oh, gee, if we do mandates, then Donald Trump becomes president again. And I think that's a bad consideration. I think they ought to be thinking first about saving the maximum number of American lives. And that includes the lives of people who don't want to get vaccinated because people treat it as if it was a, a matter of individual choice. And it never was. You know, conservatives tend to see this as sort of like the Second Amendment, you know, that I've got a right to have a gun and you right. have a right to take right. it away from me. And right. liberals tend to see this as an extension of Roe v. Wade, like I have a right to the privacy of my own body and you don't have the right to tell me what to do with my body. But the truth is, the 1905 Supreme Court decision, Jacobson versus Massachusetts made it possible to mandate vaccines back in 1905, was based on the police powers of the state, which is, yeah, you may have the right to have a gun, but you don't have the right to walk down the street shooting people with it. Or if you do, the police have an absolute right to take that gun away from you. So you have a right to refuse vaccine. But if you decide to go out of the house and transmit a communicable and sometimes fatal disease to other people, the state has the right to stop you under the police power. And nothing in the Constitution enshrines my right to give you a fatal disease. That's what this is about. You know, fatal diseases, epidemics used to be absolutely routine in this country. I mean, if you look at the history of New York City, in plagues, you see smallpox, you see scarlet fever, you see measles, you see all sorts of things, and you see the city's mortality rate spiking up and down. And that's why we passed all those quarantine laws in the 19th century. That's why we built the Croton Aqueduct and we have, you know, things upstate so we could have clean water. That's why we pasteurize milk so to stop tuberculosis. That's why we do a lot of things in the city. We need to take those kinds of strong measures in order to stop this epidemic. That saving lives is more important than people's anger about, I don't want to wear seatbelts or I don't want to pay my taxes or I don't want to, you know, I, you know, unfortunately, we've given ourselves over to the, you know, I won't and you can't make me crowd. Yeah. I think the politics actually are exactly backwards. If the Biden administration had done as you suggested in April, it would have caused them trouble, but they have a strong blue base. But by letting this thing run the way they have, I think it makes it more likely that Trump will be 
elected in 2024. It's obviously a long way away, and we don't know. But I'm, I'm more concerned with how many people are going to die. Yeah. I, that's that's my main motivation in you know everything I cover. Yeah, my view of the Biden administration is they came in, they appointed very good science people, they sort of let them run, as you say, but they had a narrative which was. July 4th is going to be Freedom Day, and that will, you know, enable us to uh, enjoy credit for having turned the corner, so to speak, and that will then be amplified by stimulus money and the economy will roar back, etc. And we were turning the corner, and it might have ended. I mean, the Delta variant might have been just a speed bump on our way to the end of this pandemic. And they very successfully ramped up vaccination in, because I wrote a piece back in March saying, hey, I got my shot through hook or by crook, and here's all the ridiculous stories of everybody I know who's had to go through, you know, what they had to go through to get their shots, and they improved quite a bit. And you know, we did gangbuster work through April and May with vaccines, but then it began to fall off as a substantial chunk of the country fell under the spell of the anti-vaccine activists and the doubters. And part of my essay was, you know, look, it's time to start cracking down on the anti-vaccine activists. This is not something that is just Mark Zuckerberg's job. Right. You know, and I don't particularly like Mark Zuckerberg being the government's number one instrument in stopping vaccine denialism. And I drew the comparison to the 1930s, where the German-American Bund and the Silver Legion and other groups like that spread the word that Hitler was our friend and Nazism was going to save us from communism. And there was really no threat from overseas. And FDR was, you know, Franklin Little Rosenfeld was controlled by the international Jewish conspiracy. Right. And George Washington, father of our country, was our first fascist. And we tolerated that for a number of years until we actually got into the fight against Adolf Hitler. And then suddenly nobody wanted to tolerate it anymore. And the Justice Department moved in and started investigating the people who were proponing those lies. And ultimately, as it turned out, you know, a lot of them were engaged in financial shenanigans, and they ended up either in jail or deported. The anti-vaccine lobby is not some self-help group made up of concerned moms. Those are the victims of the lobby. But the, the lobby consists mostly of people who make a great deal of money from selling alternative treatments, some of which are dangerous and some of which are just expensive vitamins, or or who are attention seekers. And I think we need to use the full power of the United States government to protect the American people from people who are contributing to the death of American citizens. And if that makes other people uncomfortable, well, too bad. That was a fascinating part of your piece. I had sort of forgotten, but the money behind the anti-vax movement as you say, is not disinterested. They're selling it's vitamins. Millions. And, it's millions. Yeah. You know, it's the vitamin industry. It's the alternative clinics industry that offer chelation treatments and hyperbaric chambers and, you know, bleach washes and the kind of thing, you know, and hydroxychloroquine treatment and ivermectin treatment. And, the, you know, the, the, there's a, a great deal of bad medicine out there. And, you know, I'm not opposed to alternative medicine. When alternative medicine works and can prove it works, we change its name. We call it medicine. Right. You know, aspirin is salicylic acid. It comes from the bark of willow trees. It was true. As people said 200 years ago, if you chew willow bark, it will cure your headache. Yep. That's because it's got (laughs) aspirin in it. You know, that chinchona plant turned out to have something that actually did cure malaria. We call it quinine now. Right. But you have to prove that the treatments work. Otherwise, they often turn out to be somewhere between pointless and dangerous. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Donald McNeil. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everybody's heard of the Delta variant, but I'm not sure that many of our listeners really know what the Delta variant is or what it implies. Can you give us sort of a quick description of what Delta is? Well, it, it was what was called the Indian variant. I mean, we, you know, the WHO has now tried to change the names into Greek letters. What we call the British variant or the UK variant became the Alpha variant. Mm-hmm. So it has a number of mutations in it beyond what was in the British variant. And they make the virus about twice as transmissible as the British variant. And the British variant is about twice as transmissible as the previous variant, which did not have a variant name, but which some of us call the European variant because there was the original Wuhan strain, mm-hmm. and then there was a strain with the D614G mutation, which I can explain, but it takes too long to you know what to see, explain what D614G <laughs> is. Um, but that each one has been about twice as infectious as the previous one. This one is so infectious that you can go basically from zero to super spreader in four days. So I mean that is to say you can be infected, and four days later you have so much virus in your nose and throat that you are spreading it out to everybody in the room. Which means that weekly testing, which is one of the proposals uh, that the Biden administration has suggested instead of a vaccine mandate, is completely pointless. If somebody's spewing virus like crazy after four days after getting infected, you're not going to catch that person with weekly tests, you know, before they've done the bulk of their damage. Fortunately, even since I wrote my article, a number of changes are taking place that, you know, the kind of the things I advocated, it looks like the military is going to mandate the vaccine for members of the military. I thought, come on, you know, there are 11 million either federal employees or federal contractors employees. These are people that President Biden can very easily mandate the vaccine for. Right. I noticed that the American Academy of Pediatrics, as of yesterday, asked the FDA to speed up its approval process for the vaccine for kids, because we're about to go into back to school with zero kids under 12 vaccinated and less than 40% of the kids between 12 and 17 vaccinated. And that's a bad situation. Not because lots of kids get bad reactions to COVID, but some kids are going to get bad reactions to COVID and are going to get pneumonia. We have a big surge of respiratory syncytial virus, which is one of the worst causes of the common cold going on already in the American South. Pediatric wards of hospitals are filling up in the American South. And this is August. We're on summer vacation. Right. You know, it's going to get a whole lot worse. It's not necessarily going to be a COVID flu twindemic, but it may be a multidemic of some COVID cases that go bad, 
respiratory syncytial virus cases, para-influenza virus cases, all the common cold because since there was no school last year, immunity is down. Normally, you have a sort of rolling immunity that's built up by the fact that kids get one cold after another and they build up a certain immunity. They got a, a year's vacation from getting colds, but that's also a year's vacation from building immunity. And if flu comes back in a big way, which is no sure thing, but because Australia is having a mild flu season and there's very little travel between here and Australia, but there are some flu viruses coming up positive in the deep south right now. So it's worth keeping an eye on. If that happens, we're going to have, you know, the pediatric wards are going to be very crowded and some kids are going to die. And that's an outcome we really want to avoid. It's bad enough when people over 80 die who probably could have been saved and given two or three more years of life. It's a whole lot worse when your children die. You know, yeah. we do not want the hospitals filled up with kids this fall. I think from the Michael Lewis book called Pandemic, there's one stunning statistic, which is that 700,000 school buses move every school day, weekday in the United States, given the Delta mutation. That's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? the buses and the schools. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, you can't make kids wear masks all day. You can't keep kids from sitting next to each other and playing with each other. And you know, can't keep kindergartners from rubbing heads against each other. That's why you have lice outbreaks in schools. Right. It's just routine. And the only way you're going to protect those kids is the way we already protect them against whooping cough and tetanus and diphtheria and measles and mumps and rubella and all the things that used to kill kids in the old days, we vaccinate them against this. And it's, it's incredibly successful. Now we have an epidemic going on and we have a vaccine that works incredibly well against it and has very low side effects. One of the things I did in my articles, I went through, I found my mother's notes of all the vaccines I had as a kid. Right. I had smallpox vaccine three times. That vaccine could kill somebody who was immunocompromised. I had eight doses of polio vaccine, both the Salk and the Sabin, starting in 1956, even though in 1955 there had been a scandal called the Cutter Incident in which thousands of kids were infected with a bad batch of polio vaccine. 200 of them were paralyzed and 10 died. And yet my you know, parents went on making sure I got vaccinated all the time. I had six doses of the triple, which was the whooping cough, diphtheria, and tetanus shot. And the pertussis, the whooping cough component, sometimes caused kids to go into seizures. I mean, they had seizures one out of 2,000 doses. If I had six doses, I was down to, you know, a one in 300 chance of having a seizure. And I, I actually... My mother described something that happened to me as a kid that sounded like a, a, a very minor seizure. But they went ahead with the vaccines because they knew they saved lives. And we have a much, much safer vaccines. I mean, the number of side effects in these vaccines is infinitesimal, particularly compared to the side effects of the virus. I mean, if you're worried about myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, you should definitely worry about it. It's one of the major things that this virus causes other than pneumonia is heart inflammation. Well, if you have tiny, tiny fraction of that caused by the vaccine, that is a risk worth taking, even for your child. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back with Donald McNeil. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What is preventing the vaccine being made available to children under 12? Is that just a matter of the slow testing process? Or? Yeah, it's slow and careful testing process. Somebody requested to the FDA that they double the number of kids they had in their trials. And the reason it's slow is because the FDA runs safety trials in stages, right? Healthy adults, seniors, teens, toddlers, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And you absolutely need to do safety testing. But we're now in a very bad situation where we know the virus is dangerous and it's spreading fast, particularly the new variant. We know that the vaccine is available and we know that school is about to start and the kids are going to go back to school and that masks and social distancing don't work in tight classroom situations. I'm a journalist, not a virologist, right. but I, a lot of pediatricians uh, you know, are saying, look, we know the way you normally like to do this in your slow and careful way, and we admire that, but we're facing a crisis right now. And please think about what's going to save the most lives. You know, Is it going to be rolling out the vaccine real fast? And don't make your decisions based on what you think the anti-vaccine activists are going to say or right. what sort of panic is going to be raised. Make your decisions based on what's likely to save most of the lives of you know more kids' lives. How worried are you about the next 60 days with schools starting? I, I know what I want to happen. If what I want to happen happens, we can head off a lot of problems. If kids are vaccinated, we can head off a lot of problems. You know, if we vaccinate large numbers of the people who are resisting right now. And it's very crucial we vaccinate, you know, nursing home workers. That's another thing I'm worried about is that we do know the vaccines begin to wear off after about six months, even the best vaccines, you know, like the Pfizer and Moderna. Now, to what extent they wear off, we don't really know. And to whether or not they continue to protect against hospitalization or death, even if they don't protect against infection, we don't really know. But we don't want the combination of lots of elderly Americans in nursing homes with somewhat depressed immune systems because all of us over 65, our immune system begins to go, you know, I can't quite get that bicycle up the hill anymore the way I used to. Right. And resistant nursing home employees who are not vaccinated and are literally spreading the virus from room to room. That's a real bad combination. We don't want that. So that's one of the things worries me a lot, but it's easy to head off. You simply, you know, you want to keep your job in a nursing home, you can't kill your patients, you got to be vaccinated. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for doing this. It's been terrific, and I think it will be a real service to our listeners. So I thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Nice talking to you. Thanks for tuning into the News Items podcast. Listeners can read Donald's work on medium.com. The best way to do that is to put into Google Donald McNeil, medium, and away you go. The podcast is based on my newsletter, which is available at newsitems.substack.com. News Items is produced by Christian castro Russell, Pierre Bienname, Ali Rogers, and Megan Burney. Our theme music was composed by Billy Libby, and our recording engineer was and is Ben McNamara.